1: Dragon Radio. I'm your host, MLB's Chalk. I'm here with special guest and author, Stephen Boris. I'm going to butcher your name. If you watch this show or listen to it, you know I butcher almost every name that's on here.
0: It's okay. You can call me whatever you like. Just don't call me late for dinner.
1: There you go. I love that saying. (laughs) So you have this book out and I have it in front of me. It's called How to Beat Stalin, Hitler, and the Southern Park Beltway. So, why this book? (laughs)
0: Um, It's a way um, to give back, or or rather to pay forward. Um, You know, and the title, um, Stalin, Hitler, and the Southern State Parkway, How to Beat Stalin, uh, Hitler, and the Southern State Parkway, is all about how you deal with adversity and challenges in your life, whether they be historic, like uh, Stalin and Hitler and having to overcome evil dictators, or it was like uh, me, you know, uh, having to deal with losing my father uh, in a car crash on the Southern State Parkway.
1: I'm sorry. Uh,
0: Yeah, all these challenges can be real. It could be, you know, losing a job, divorce, uh, dealing with COVID, right? Um, They can all... Bring about your demise. They're all very real. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's all how we react to these uh, terrible situations and and how we overcome adversity. That's the goal of the book. And in my life, I had uh, a lot of adversity and I had a tremendous amount of help. And uh, as I was sitting around during the COVID pandemic the last two years, like everybody else, Mm -hmm. you know, with stress and anxiety and seeing my children, struggle and, and friends and family and myself, my goodness, my, you know, uh, I, I was, uh, you know, going through some hard times in some dark places. I said, you know, what could I do to try to give back and, and try to help folks uh, in these difficult times? And so that's why I wrote this book.
1: That is a wonderful meaning. I mean, it doesn't matter where you're from, What you do doesn't matter if you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth. We all know the proverbial silver spoon or if you're born in the projects. You all have to overcome whatever obstacles that are in your life.
0: Absolutely. Um, And and that's what I was trying to do here is give people hope. Hope for a better tomorrow. Uh, Because if you have hope, you can do anything. You can. You know, and it's uh, when you're down in the dumps and feeling despair, you know, the the smallest things can throw you out of whack and, and, you know, just start snowballing. Um, And I was hoping that the stories told in this book could uh, get people fired up and, and get them back in the fight.
1: We can hope. That's always the good thing, right? We can hope that the book gets the meaning out there that, yes, there is hope. Yes, we can overcome whatever the problem is, and we can move forward.
0: All right. Absolutely. Um, you want, would you want me to tell you a little bit about the book? Please. The Please. Sure. Um, you know, it kind of starts off with uh, me sitting at with my mom at the uh, kitchen table, uh, having some late night chats. We were both uh, insomniacs, both stressed out and terrified about the next day. Um, you know, as I said, my father died on a car crash. I was about five years old. I had a sister. She was about two. And that just devastated our family. You know, we had left, uh, we, had. Uh, I was born in the Bronx. We moved out to Long Island, you know, to the suburbs mm-hmm. to live the American dream, you know, with the quarter acre house and the, you know, one and a half baths and the whole deal. And, uh, we were, we were doing it until he got killed. And that just started a downward spiral for me. You know, I was uh, overweight. I was being bullied mercilessly by uh, students and in some cases, some teachers as well. And I was learning disabled. I was flunking out of school and I was starting to think some really dark thoughts. You know, I was starting to think uh, the unthinkable and did not see a reason to go on. And that's when my mother, you know, started to really come through for me with with these midnight chats. And, and, you know, of course, you know, she was starting off like any mom, right? Oh, you're beautiful. You're handsome. uh, You know, you're a genius. You know, moms are. Yeah. What
1: uh, I'm a mom. So I know all the speeches to give to any child because I've been them, supposedly.
0: (laughs) You know, you scroll on a piece of paper. Oh, you're Picasso. You know, one of those. And, uh, you know, mom, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. You know, you're just a crazy mom and, and all that. And she said, well, you know, and then she started to get a little bit firmer with me and she said, you know, you're not the first person to have problems. And I said, okay, you know, got serious. And she goes, "Let me tell you about uh your Ukrainian grandmother, my father's mother who actually died in the car crash with him, my bopcha." I go, "Bopcha? What what about bopcha, you know? Mm-hmm. I only knew her as a 5-year-old before she passed away all I remembered was the apple strudel she made. You know, I was an overweight kid. So, of course, I identified people by the food they brought. Of and uh, I said, well, OK, what about her and her apple strudel? Well, it was not just apple strudel, she said. You know, she says your bopcha was basically a superhero. I said, superhero? What are you talking about, superhero? And she says, yeah. Uh, she said, when she was your age, at this point, I was a middle school kid. She wasn't dealing with, with your problem. She had a little bit different. She had Joseph Stalin. And at that point, the Ukraine where she grew up was uh, under Soviet control, and he wanted to break the Ukrainian people. And so to do that, he enacted what became known as the Holodomor or Great Hunger and went on to kill about over four to six million Ukrainians, starved them to death. Uh, And it's one of the most brutal acts of genocide most people never even heard of.
1: Mm -mm. Unless you're a history buff, you don't know what Stalin did.
0: Absolutely, and that was just one of his many uh, atrocities and uh, uh, my goodness, starved to death. And she goes into graphic detail, how they came farm to farm and, and killed people and took food. And, and she just had to watch her, her loved ones with her and, and many died. And I said, my goodness, how did they deal with this? And they said, well, they, they, they did it together. The family stuck together. They also started to have a belief that one day the family would have a great life again. and that's what inspired them to survive. that one day maybe it wasn't going to be them, maybe it was going to be their their children or grandchildren, the family was going to be strong and, and be happy and be successful again. And that unity got them through that unspeakable time. And just when it ended, and they started to get back on their feet. Hitler was now master of Germany. And in 1939, he starts World War II. And two years later, he invades the Soviet Union, a uh, mission known as Operation Barbarossa. And it's the largest land battle in the history of the world. Uh, millions of men are fighting, and there's Baibabcha on the front line. And I'm going, oh, my goodness, you know, so now she's like a high schooler, maybe a little bit older than that. and. Uh, her village is quickly captured. Now she's separated from her family and she, she goes on never sees another living family member again for the rest of her life and is brought to a work camp and is made a slave. And that's what really blew my mind was that my babcha for about four years of her life was a slave, mm-hmm. you know, uh, captured by the Nazis working for Hitler. And when she got to the camp, she didn't have anybody, she didn't have anything. She didn't have hope. Uh, but as she walked in, the babushkas got her, the old women of the camp. They saw this beautiful young girl by herself with nothing and nobody. And they came and they took her under their wing and they put a babushka on her. They wanted to hide her beauty, which was not an asset in a slave labor camp surrounded by no, German guards. And they made her hunch down and they actually smeared animal, animal feces on her as another deterrent. Imagine that. And they got through that camp together and they didn't have to. And that's one thing I always wanna stress in the book was that these women helped when they didn't have to. They helped because it was the right thing. And maybe they they thought uh, their granddaughter was in another camp and they were hoping maybe somebody would do the right thing and take care of them. And in the camp, she met her husband Eustace. They got uh, married, you know, in the camp. You couldn't really get married in the camp, but they had my father. My father was born into slavery uh, in this war camp. And before you know it, Hitler commits suicide. The war's over. And she outlasted two dictators. And that to me was just absolutely mind-blowing that this young girl uh, was able to stand up to this evil and survive, Uh, but that was just the beginning. Uh, Her husband was murdered. They got to the United States uh, by, by a miracle. And when they arrived here, they were homeless, sleeping on a park bench, didn't have a penny to their name, didn't know anybody, didn't even know the language at that point. And my mother told me, well, you know what? They always believed that was a good start. And I just want you to think about that a little bit. You have nothing, you're a widow, no family, not a dime, and it's a good start. She had hope again that one day those kids could, could have me, I have kids now, and we're having nice, happy, successful lives. And, and that's how you go on and do it. Um, that's how you deal with this unspeakable evil. You go on and you live well.
1: That is the only way. To get over the evil, you don't, how many of us out there have grandparents that survived World War II and before that, the Great Depression? How many people have survived Stalin? How many people have survived Hitler? How many people migrated here after World War II that we can talk about? You don't know where you can go if you lose hope when you can look back at your grandparents and see where they came from. If you can understand that they fought to be here, to fought to have your parents and their your parents fought to have you, now you have hope again.
0: Absolutely. And you know, uh, the nice thing about writing this book, I've had friends read it, and they say, "Hey, you know, my grandma did this. she had a, a similar story, you know, maybe not the exact, but mm-hmm. and, and she's a hero too. And I say, absolutely, mm-hmm. tell that story, you know, if you don't write a book, Tell your kids, tell your grandkids, you know, tell whoever is going to listen, because all these stories can inspire hope, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in these chaotic times. Um, I mean,
1: we need the hope. I had a grandfather that survived the Great Depression and then fought in World War II. Yeah. So it's going from you have no hope because you don't have food. It's a different scenario. But at the same time, how did they do it? They did it because because their mindset was, tomorrow will be better.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, that, that's the whole key to the game. And, and what we're going through right now is real. Mm-hmm. Make no mistake. And whatever your problem is, it's not to compare it. Well, um, I don't have to deal with Stalin, okay? Whatever it is, is real. And it can bring you down. It can kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the key to success is getting help. Is finding allies. You know, like for every downstroke my my Bapcha had, there was always an angel waiting to bail her out. Mm-hmm. Um, like the priest who got her on the boat to come to the United States. She took advantage of these opportunities, right? And, and a lot of people would say, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't go for that, They can't see it. They just get caught up in their own uh, sorrow. Mm -hmm. And they they lose hope, they don't feel like maybe they're worthy of the opportunity, or they're so angry, they can't see past their hate. Uh, They get consumed by it, and they don't see that there, there are options out there.
1: Exactly. How many times do we, as humans, we get depressed, we stay in bed, we all know the picture of someone covered up with a blanket, not wanting to get out of bed for days on end. Why? They have lost hope. If you can find your hope, whatever it is, it could be, I'm starting a new job. I see the light. I can do something better today than yesterday. It could be anything. Then you can get over the next mm-hmm. step.
0: You know, it's, it's so true. Um, when she finally died, she owned her own house. She had a small business. Uh, she got to meet four grandchildren. And that's how you win. That's how you beat those, those evil dictators. And, and as a kid, and I heard this, I'm like, let's go. You know, I wanted to get up and, and, and go start. But I didn't know how to do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, um, how do you actualize that? You know, it's great to get fired up by this, uh, you know, wonderful story. But, but how do I get out of this hole that I'm in? And my mother, you know, was about 13 at that time. She says, well, you got to go play some football. And she steered me towards that sport, Uh, not because she wanted me to go, you know, the violence of it. You know, she was kind Mm -hmm. of afraid of that part. Um, But she knew that I would be in front of some great men. She knew that those coaches out there uh, could get me going in the right direction. And from the first practice, you know, it it was kind of amazing. I remember having to run the the big lap, the warm-up lap. Which, you know, God knows how long it actually was, but it seemed like the Boston Marathon, you know, to a chubby kid, you know, who never did anything but Dungeons and Dragons. And, you know, I was about to die and give up and and just go home and crawl into a bag of Doritos. And the captain, Jason, comes and grabs me and he says, we're going to finish this together. Oh, my goodness. You know, and basically drags me across the finish line. And he did that every day for about a month until I could finally, you know, got in shape and could start doing it on my own. But that was something the coaches and the players all bought into, was that we were a family, that we were all in it together, you know, just like the babushkas. Um, we had a slogan that was brothers forever. And it wasn't just something you wrote on a t-shirt, you know, because it sounded cool, you know, it was real. And those coaches and, and players you know, got me through some hard times, and they showed me how to be successful. The lessons we learned on the field, you know, yes, they were. We wanted to win those games. Don't get me wrong, but they were preparing you how to become a great and successful person. Um, and it's not just football, because that's certainly not for everybody. Like my daughter, she got into the theater, and uh, I noticed it's pretty much the same thing. You know, without the violence. You know, while you're giving your soliloquy, nobody's trying to tackle you. Like,
1: <laughs> right. <yeah? laughs>
0: If you're doing a tap number, you know, I have to get hit in the head. But um, it, it's that same idea that we're a family, you know, whether you're the star, you're the understudy, you're the person working the light, or the guy selling the tickets, you know, everybody's needed. Everybody's important. You know, like in football, I was third string my first year. Uh, it didn't matter. I was still part of that group. And, and that is what helped save my life. Um, also was setting goals. My mother sat me down at the coffee table, you know, and she had a, her famous crumb cake and, you know, it was midnight, but she was still drinking coffee and smoking, chain smoking cigarettes. And, um, I said, okay, you're going to get into a, a great college. I'm like, ma, what are you talking about? I can't even spell cat. If you bought me a vowel, how am I going to get into a college, you know, and, and you're going to have a football scholarship, you know, at this point, I still don't know how to play football. And you're going to get a, a girlfriend, you're going to get married, you know, you're going to be a success, uh, you know, and, and if you knew her, and you knew me at the time, you know, you might call the hospital, you know, and I think this woman's <laughs> not well. And, uh, she said, I said, well, you're crazy. She goes, what, what the hell else do you got to do? What else are you doing? I'm mm-hmm. Like, All right. And years went by, and son of a gun, it all started to happen. Just as he said. You know, she got me help in school. I got a resource teacher, Mrs. Dudick, who was about five foot tall, and would jump up on a stool and grab my ear. You know, come on, we're going to do it. Okay. You know, knew went to kick you and went to hug you. And they demanded excellence. You know, all the adults in my life, they always demanded excellence at every turn. And just when we are about to cross the finish line and all this stuff was about to become true, she's killed it. My mother's killed in a tragic car accident as well. And that becomes another turning point in the book, and that's kind of the whole point of this book: what do you do now mm-hmm. when the roof comes crashing in again? Uh, fortunately for me, I had a couple of things going. I had my Bobcha stories, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, she beats Stalin. Well, here comes Hitler. You know, uh, my situation wasn't as dire, <laughs> right? I was, but it's still it still can consume you, right? It can right. still bring you down, mm-hmm. still very real your pain. And I also had uh, a great, great community that Brothers Forever kicked in, uh, teachers kicked in. People I didn't even know showed up with a tray of chicken cutlets, you know, and things of this nature and, and just uh, nick of the moment things happen, right? Mm-hmm. To, to try to pitch in and get you through. But at the same time, you have to accept the help. Yes, you do. You have to be willing to work. It's going to be hard. It's going to suck.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: not fair. But, you know, that's the purpose of the book, to let you know you can do it. You can do it. Um, look for the help. Find the help. Whether it's a, getting a therapist, getting, the you know.
1: Um, it, it doesn't matter if it's a reverend uh, uh religious person. It doesn't matter if it's your teachers. I had great teachers that were great mentors that knew how to kick my butt. And, you know, otherwise I wouldn't have graduated high school. I certainly wouldn't have graduated with honors. Mm -hmm. I had, you know, senior year or junior year, two weeks before school starts, my grandfather, who was my mentor died unexpectedly. Oh, you want bless. to talk it down, downwards, spiral, it's two weeks yep. before school starts. And then you go through this. It doesn't matter what your pain is. I've been through two divorces. It doesn't matter. I still have to get up every day. I have yep. a great community that I built because the, those around me are toxic. So I mm-hmm. reached out to the positive people. Absolutely. You have to find the positive to get rid of the negative.
0: That's so good. That's so true. Uh, What you said there is is the key. You built a great team. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You got to get the right people on the bus and the wrong people off the bus.
1: Yes. Um, You you have to know what strings to cut and which ones to pull closer. If they're toxic to you and they just want to keep you in that dark place, they're not good for you. And you're not going to get to the help you need until you cut the string.
0: Uh, you know that that's that's right on the money and you you have to understand that there might be some people who who want to see you fail Mm
1: -hmm.
0: who want to hold you back who want to keep you down because if you rose up and did something what would that say about them
1: Mm -hmm. exactly how many times as a business owner when i was just starting out oh you've been at this for two years you're not doing anything it takes a long time to get where you're going especially when you have those pulling back. Mm-hmm. When you get rid of those negative people, then you expand. Then you find your light, you find your passion, you find your calling, whatever it is. It doesn't matter if you want to go into business, write a book, go into coaching, whatever your path is, you will find it.
0: Right. And it sounds like, you know, with you starting your businesses and, and the other things you were meant, it sounds like you're fearless. <laughs> um, And, you know, that's the thing. We're all actually afraid,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but that's when you're brave,
1: Mm -hmm. right?
0: Is when you're afraid and you go and do it anyway.
1: Exactly. If your dream is not scaring you to death, you're not dreaming big enough.
0: Yes, I like that very much. Um, I think you would have liked my mother very much. Uh, I think you would have had a great conversation with her. You guys have some very nice things in common. Uh, one thing she always liked to tell me, and I think you'll, you'll appreciate this was you can have what you want, or you can have excuses Mm -hmm. and you get to decide.
1: My grandfather said the same thing, almost the same way you can live your life with excuses, or you can live your life by results. Mm
0: -hmm. That's excellent. (laughs) Um, because you could sit there and say, like, you know, in my case, oh, I'm, I'm an orphan, right? Boo hoo. Like, you know, like, learning disability. And everybody would feel bad for me. Mm-hmm. And rightly so. I could get a lot of sympathy. And, and I could be very safe. Ah, oh, well, he's got these problems, you know, and everybody can give you a pat on the head. Uh, you'd be very safe, but you'd also be very miserable. Yes. And, you know, getting into the fight and going for a career, go, like you did with your businesses. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Right. And and struggling for two years, you know, maybe, you know, running a small business, might not have a paycheck for two years.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. You know, you still got to eat. Still got to eat,
1: still got to feed the child, still have to take care of the family, still have to deal with mom and grandma, take care of them, but you have to go forward every day.
0: Yeah. And, and that's when it's, that's when the greatness come, you know, you do the thing that's hard to do and the powers come the power mm-hmm. comes. And uh, you know that's what I was trying to to inspire with this book.
1: And this a great way to inspire putting your stories your grandparents stories into a book putting your own struggle into the book now you are inspiring other people.
0: And we and all the people in the book are your common ordinary everyday folks. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I portrayed my, my bopcha as a superhero. And by all rights, she was. She, she was a regular person. Right. Mm-hmm. Not born into privilege, didn't have advances, you know, didn't have all this, but did great with what she had. Mm-hmm. And was expected to, to die in a ditch somewhere and went on and had a nice life. Um, And it's also to highlight some of those great teachers we had, the people who helped when they didn't have to, Um, you know, and I think this kind of goes to your show and what you're trying to do here um, is reminiscent of my offensive line coach when I played football, uh, John DeLuca. One thing he taught us as linemen, you know, you're never going to get the ball. You're never going to be in the newspaper and all that sort of thing. And he created for us something known as the lineman's prayer. Now, now, don't worry, I'm not going to convert you to a different religion or anything, but it goes uh, as follows. We, it goes, we work the hardest, we're known the least, but who cares for we are the reason. And I think we could apply that not just to to linemen in a game, but I've kind of applied that to my life as a father, as a husband, uh, as a teacher and a coach, and somebody who tries to work in their community, you know, that it's doing the grunt work, you know, uh, not for the glory, not for your own personal, uh, you know, we're not gonna build a statue to you, but it's it's gonna make hopefully society better, lives better for everybody. Mm -hmm. And if we can just get ourselves out of the way, you know, we can make this world a little bit better of a place.
1: and, And realize,
0: you know, Ultimately, you know, with politics blowing up and, and, and all this nonsense on both, you know, we all want the same thing. We all want to be loved. We all want to be heard. We all want to have a seat at the table and, and some respect. And, you know, when we realize that, I think we can get rid of uh, a lot of the, uh, the, the other nonsense that we seem to uh, keep fighting about on social media and over the Thanksgiving table
1: that would be nice that would be really really nice to get rid of all the political at the kitchen table and get back to having family at the kitchen table
0: absolutely and we could well you know start arguing about who stole the apple pie or something important like that
1: yeah something really important who gets the last brownie or you know who gets the last whatever we're making for dinner absolutely. they're important stuff right
0: that sounds good <laughs>
1: yeah I was like fat kid going growing up, so the whole food thing works for me.
0: Mm-hmm. no <laughs>
1: well
0: when you check out the book, you got to uh, look in the back. I have my mother's crumb cake recipe in there. The crumb Ooh. cake is a major major character in the book,
1: so well, that's always wonderful to have a crumb cake recipe because <laughs> that's one recipe I don't have.
0: <laughs> so certified nice.
1: chef nutritionist, and I don't have a crumb cake recipe. what? <laughs>
0: Oh, As a nutritionist, you will not like this crumb cake. No, this is uh, <laughs> and, oh, I, the I the diet.
1: Oh, just because I'm a nutritionist and I have the license doesn't always mean I can't go a little binge
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: That's healthy for you, by the way, just on yeah. occasion. Yes. <laughs> you can't deprive yourself of food all, all the time. You have Thank to have you. that little bit of guilt. <laughs> yeah.
0: the the balance to life
1: Mm -hmm. I like
0: it very good
1: so you have this book out are you thinking about writing a second
0: oh sure uh you know the second book I'm thinking about is going to uh be about my children they're going to be the main characters in this one and it's going to be about um, their lives and their struggles uh my daughter uh plays a, a a role in it in the first one but um I really want to highlight her in this uh, next one. Uh, both of my kids, um, we kind of hit the genetic lottery, um, me and my wife were recessive carriers of epilepsy. So oh, both wonderful. of my kids, yeah, uh, have epilepsy. And their struggles and trials and tribulations dealing with that and, and other things in their lives. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, especially my daughter, what she had to go through, she had to be homeschooled for most of, not all of her high school. Because the side effects from the meds and how she just fought on like a trooper you know and she's she's up there with as one of my heroes and uh, all the things my son had to overcome as well in his life and uh i think that'll be a, a nice second second installment
1: that would be great uh as someone that has seizures not from epilepsy but from other medical reasons try plexus and that's okay. just me, me as a person. I've tried this. I have been seizure-free for six years because of Flexus. It's all mm-hmm. organic.
0: It's an organic? It's.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Are you saying Flexus or Plexus?
1: P-L-E-X-U-S.
0: Okay. We'll write that down. And and it's an organic product. Yeah, they're yeah. organic. Yeah. They're, they're amazing.
1: Every medical anti-seizure medicine out there actually made my seizures worse. This is the first product I ever used that actually stopped. Now it took three to four months for it to actually start working. Right. But, and I understand. Sure. So, it, it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I get the, the whole medical seizure. I get that.
0: And it's, again, it's it's another challenge, right? So mm-hmm. the challenges can come in any form. You know, epilepsy, mm-hmm. who would have thought, Yeah. right? And, and you don't know where the solutions, you know, maybe doing this podcast, maybe that's going to be a, a cure that gets both of my kids
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, back on track. Right. Uh, you know, and, and now you just got to be able to accept that help and, and see if it uh, works um, and just get back in the fight there. No, but yeah. that's great. I'm-
1: it could help. I can't get or see a results on everyone, but it's out there. It's organic. It's not going to interact with medications. But at the same time, as someone that has seizures, you don't know understand unless you have them. Waking up whenever, having every muscle in your body hurt because of whatever happened during the seizure. And then just being so tired, you don't want to move.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, you can't function. It becomes all consuming.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you have the medication that just makes you feel. Worse, unless you understand that, you won't understand epilepsy. You right. won't understand a person's struggle and what they're overcoming until you actually step into their shoes.
0: That, that's such a great point. Stepping into their shoes. And uh, you know, that was that was one thing that always kind of frustrated us, uh, was there were some teachers who kind of uh like who came to my rescue.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and
0: uh, as we said, there were some teachers in my daughter's case who, who did the opposite.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They, they maybe didn't believe her, mm-hmm. you know, and they are like, "Oh, you're not paying attention in class." Well, she's having dozens of micro seizures, mm-hmm. you know, in, during your class. Maybe that's why. Um, and and it's so important when you see somebody struggling or having a bad day or an abrasive attitude towards you. It's probably not you. Yeah, it, it's And just to take that moment to have some compassion, and instead of judging them and attacking them and putting them down, uh, just say, hey, are you okay?
1: Mm-hmm. That's a big thing, especially in schools with our teachers needing to talk to students. As a mother of an autistic child, for a teacher to say, are you okay? Do you need help? That changes versus... Hey, you're not paying attention.
0: Right. And it can change lives, you know, and just having that little bit of compassion Mm -hmm. uh, can go such a a long way.
1: There you go. Sorry, that's
0: (laughs) a good (laughs) (laughs) ringtone.
1: But we are almost out of time. So, how can our viewers and our listeners find you?
0: Sure. Uh, you can reach me, you can email me anytime you want. If you want to chat at s-t-e-v-e dot s at gmail.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn with the same name. And uh, you can find my book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, um, as well as iTunes and Apple and all that sort of thing. It's from uh, Page Publishing. Mm-hmm. And again, it's called How to Beat Stalin, Hitler, and the Southern State Parkway.
1: Awesome. And it was so great to talk to you today because this is all the things that everyone needs to have in their lives, especially post-COVID. We all need hope.
0: Yes. And, uh, you know, the the other thing that I got to do that I think was was important to me was I got to bring my mom back with this book. Mm-hmm. You know, she's been gone for, my goodness, over 30 years now. And in these dark times, if there's one person I could bring back uh, to help, it would be her. And I think uh, the first part of the book is written as conversations with her. Mm -hmm. And if you're struggling, I think it would do you a lot of good to sit down and have a piece of coffee cake with Norma, my mom, and listen to some of her uh, great advice and wisdom. And, uh, you know. That's that's one of the true blessings. Is that she's she's immortal now, thanks to this book.
1: That and is she true.
0: Will be there to help generations not yet born uh, with their struggles. So I oh, was. That
1: great. is exactly what we need to do: is bring our ancestors and immortal immortalize them in the pages of books, and they can help our future get to where it needs to be. Absolutely. But thank you so much for being on the show today.
0: I appreciate it. It was a pleasure. It was a great conversation.
1: And for our listeners and our viewers, happy reading.